Great to see you today. <clears throat> Very uh, excited about the week ahead for Thanksgiving week where we're celebrating the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the provision of God. Um, I will encourage you to know we uh, things do change here a bit uh, on our campus for the week of Thanksgiving, but we will be meeting here at 6 a.m. on Tuesday for prayer, so hope uh, you'll take the time to join us either on campus if possible or online, um, but just pressing in and going deeper. How many you know the Lord's inviting us to a deeper place in the year ahead? It's a wonderful, wonderful place of just exploring and pursuing Him on a deeper level. Um, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible, the old-fashioned kind, uh, to church uh, this next year especially as we look at what it means in 2023 just to go deeper. I think there's something really valuable about um, actually holding the prop in your hand that is the expression of something so much more than a prop. <laughs> it's the eternal word of God that uh, he's given to us, and we're so thankful for the power of his word. So I would encourage you uh, to bring your Bible. Also, I heard uh, somebody in the lobby caught me, and they said, hey, we're looking at one of those journaling Bibles. That's actually what I have in my hand with this wide margin. Uh, and they said, man, those are a great deal. Uh, and so we do different things with different uh, people helping us to buy these Bibles, and uh, we're able to actually sell them for less than it costs to buy them as the price of them continues to go up especially. Uh, but take a look. I think Tracy will be out there uh, right after the service, right out here, and take a look. They're great Christmas gifts, but just particularly with our kids, to give our kids a treasure that, uh, you know, the turn the page challenge, can I just go over it with you one more time? <laughs> such an important reality. And I mean, it just literally has been a tool that's brought such transformation, maybe more than any other tool or skill that we have ever talked about as a church. Um, but it just is so simple, and you just get an old-fashioned Bible that you can open like this, start in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, write the date at the top of the page, put a little prayer there, Lord, would you awaken our heart today? to the truth of your word. Something so simple, but just something out of your heart. You know what I'm finding when I'm doing this? I just pause and just rest in his presence before I start reading, and then I journal a little sentence, prayer, and many times what I've written in prayer is what I'm about to read, and I didn't even know it. But it's just the nature of what it means to sit with the author before you read the book, and he's there to teach us. The Bible says very clearly the Holy Spirit comes to teach us. And so each day, just write the day at the top of the page, maybe a little prayer, and then the next day, here's the trick. Are you ready? It's such a crazy trick. Here goes, here goes. Turn the page. You just do it one more time. Very simple. Doesn't take very long to do that in the morning. Just about anybody can make room for that type of a devotion life. And I would encourage you to go deeper than that, but start there. Uh, that's a great starting point. And if you're already deeper than that, just consider uh, doing that because this becomes a tremendous heirloom then as you go all the way through. Uh, I was realizing today, I'm actually in Matthew, the second time through a particular Bible that I've been. I just felt I was to go through that particular translation a second time. And I realized I've got so many just nuggets written there that my great-great-grandchildren, who I'm never going to meet, are going to hold my Bible in their hand, read my prayers, and see my faithfulness before God. It's going to awaken something in their heart in Jesus' mighty name. So I encourage you uh, to give some consideration to that. And today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7. So you can go ahead and uh, turn to there, and we'll get there in just a few moments. Man, it is good to be home at Destiny Christian Center with the fam. 
Um, really thankful for your prayers. Had an amazing time of ministry with one of our network churches and schools this last year, uh, this last week. Uh, Rick and Linda Rapp lead Gateway uh, Church International in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, while I was there, I did get abducted by aliens, but I was only there for 40 minutes. It felt like five seconds, and I was back, and mostly I'm normal. <clears throat> it's crazy how much that alien culture exists there. Like McDonald's had aliens out at the drive-thru. It's all in there. They have this big festival every year. It's pretty wild. Um, but just really great time of just ministry there. Um, we actually had parents from the school call and talk to the principal after I'd done, uh, I did like eight hours of lecture with 7th through 12th grade in these different forums. Uh, but they had parents call and say, um, my kids encountered God in such a way that it's impacted our home. And I, I just, I, I went there feeling and sensing a lot of what I'm sharing right now. I'm, I'm pretty uncertain with it. You know, I'm not interested in just trying to get everybody spun up. I'm, I'm good at that. I know how to kind of get you spun up. Uh, it's just, that's natural for me. In, in a relationship with somebody, I know how to get them kind of spun up, excited about something. And, and the Lord's just scaling us off of that. It's just not about uh, human ability to get everybody excited. Because that leaves us inspired and underdeveloped. And so I don't want to oversell that would lead us to underdeliver. That creates the overstimulated, underdeveloped church of the Western world that we live in. I want us to encounter God. And so I just, um, before we go much further, I want to just make sure we're all very aware He's here in this room right now. He has something to say to you, like personally. It's just the nature of your walk with God. It's why I'm saying if you just get in the Word personally and just get before the Lord. I'm, I'm not trying to get you to accomplish a Pharisee religious metric that you check off. I've read my Bible today. I want you to get with God and like experience His nature, explore His presence. And that then becomes a way of life. And man, what I'm sensing, you know, I, I shared uh, two weeks ago, I felt the Lord was saying in the month of December, we're going to have incredible encounter with God. As a church family, I just believe the Lord is promising that in this season. So December, uh, is next week December? I guess the following week is December, yeah. <laughs> I did get abducted by aliens, so give me some room. Uh, but in two weeks, we're going to go into a focus of understanding unto us a child is born, and the Lord wants to develop an awareness of the nearness of God as our way of life. So, Lord, I, I know you're preparing us for where you're taking us always. And I just pray, um, even now, we would start to sense what you're desiring to reveal, that within our own hearts, within our own thoughts and minds, we would start to have a greater, deeper awareness of the nearness of God. You are here. And I pray we would pay attention to you. Today, we just break the assignment of condemnation and shame that would cause uh, your people to live from an injured place of faith with lacking resilience and rehearsing their mistakes, every one of us, Lord, we just say we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb who redeemed all of humanity that's willing to look to the cross and call your name as our Lord and Savior. We embrace you today and say, teach us your ways, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, um, 
We're going to start today with just a little bit of a, I want to give you a visual and help you understand a concept and an idea. I think we all carry, you know, different gifts in different ways. Uh, how many of you know some people are really gifted to work with children? Don't, aren't you thankful? Can you just say amen? People gifted. How many of you are not gifted to work with children? We do not want you in the kids area, right? Uh, and so you've got to know what you're gifted to do. You have to fulfill your God-given assignment. And he wires you accordingly. And so some people, they, like, uh, they don't feel Christian because like... You know, they're not all warm, fuzzy hug. Like, if you get within my five-foot circle, I'm probably going to give you a hug because that's just my, that's my wiring. I, I just kind of love. And, and then there are those that, like, they will punch you in the face if you give them a hug. And I've been punched a few times, and, and I'm sorry, Tracy, for that. <laughs> when, you're, when you are uh, the warm, fuzzy married to the, uh, you know, not as warm, fuzzy, more calculating conversation... Uh, then it's really interesting what that dynamic does. And it, it, it's, it, this is the thing you have to understand. We are a beautiful tapestry of the networking of our gifted lives. And one of the things that I carry in terms of ministry gift, I am very uh, gifted by God to break condemnation and shame off of people's lives. Like, that's one of the main things when I speak at, you know, conference-style events I just know that's usually the primary fundamental core of whatever it is I'm going to bring, that I'm going to get up and I'm going to expose self-disqualification. And so I love it when the Lord leads me into that, particularly in our uh, church family scenario, because I know there's some real strength in that, in that regard. Today, today is that. And um, I want to kind of lead you into this first by just demonstrating, have you ever had, um, I remember when this happened to me before I asked you have you had it happen uh, Tracy and I, I I bought these expensive Kohan shoes and like they were pretty pricey and I got them and I loved them they're really soft leather and like we went to dinner hadn't had them very long came home and the dog had chewed one of them completely up and um, and I, I said something like this oh little animal you have made me so unhappy today uh, I was probably a little more violent than that because it was really, I was very upset. But I mean, like, it, how many of you know the dog is so happy to see you, right? So happy you came home until you pick up their mistake. Have you seen this before? Has this happened to you? And all you have to do is pick up their mistake. And then what does the dog do? I want you to see what the dog does. Huh? Get it over with. ¿Quién hizo esto? Quiero saber. Mira cómo me dejaron la plantilla. ¿Quién fue? ¿Eh? All right, well, apparently while I was out, somebody got into the kitty cat treats. Denver, did you do this? Denver, was this you? Denver, you won't look at me. Did you? What? Denver, did you do this? Cooper, did you eat all of your treats? Cooper. (laughs) 
just such a great illustration of how, how many of you have ever made mistakes in your life, legitimate mistakes, hold them up high, let's, confession's good for the soul, and what the enemy loves to do is cause you to live your life in the presence of your mistakes. But what God desires for us to do is to learn to live our lives in the presence of a forgiving, loving, redeeming Messiah. How many of you have lived in the presence of your mistake long enough? <laughs> I mean, it's just the, what's happening, I don't know, in the emotion of those animals. You know, I just think about what happens in the human heart when we just constantly come back and live in the presence of our mistake. Whatever that is, we're just rehearsing the mistake. And it's like we never fully develop our faith and we just live our lives in this uh, disposition that's constantly less than everything God desires for us to become. And you were created for more than that. But if the enemy can cause you to live in the presence of your mistake, then you'll never fully develop the son and daughter of God who you are. And you and I are called, just as I was saying out of worship, we are called to this triumphant procession where we carry the fragrance of the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. Something of the anointing is being released from our lives. The atmosphere of any room you walk into, do you understand? The atmosphere of any family you ever encourage. The atmosphere of your workplace, the atmosphere of your neighborhood, the atmosphere, I mean, if you, wherever you work, whatever job you have, they are blessed to have you there because you come in triumphant procession of the Lord Jesus Christ, releasing something of the fragrance of the kingdom of God that begins to captivate the attention of people around you, and they don't even understand what's going on. This is a really profound reality. But what happens is we live in the presence of our mistake and we don't put off that type of an expression because we walk around feeling like we've disappointed God. We spent over a year on this idea. I felt the Lord was bringing me back to kind of rehearse. In fact, it was interesting. Pastor Chrissy was saying that very thing earlier. The Lord's called to remembrance some of the things that God's been revealing over the course of time. Maybe we need to pay attention to this season that we've entered into where he's wanting to bring back some of the, the rich deposits that he's placed within our own hearts personally as well as congregationally as a family. But we spent a full year focusing in on what it means to be fully known and fully loved by God. There's something so exciting about being fully loved. Don't you love it when you're fully loved? And there's something absolutely terrifying about being fully known. Aren't you scared to death when people know your stuff? And uh, I'm so thankful for a church family where we've learned authenticity and transparency actually is the avenue into the kingdom of God. Rather than trying to present something, we've got it all together. None of us have it all together. We're all just on a journey trying to find our way. There's enough room for every one of us to have grace for everybody around us. Be kind to people that might not even be kind to you because they are fighting battles you know nothing about. Maybe you're supposed to be a key that unlocks a, a sense of encouragement in their battle today. I mean, it's just a beautiful reality. In other words, all I'm saying is treat other people the way the Lord treats you. It sounds like a biblical concept, doesn't it? <clears throat> and so just beautiful, fully known, fully loved. And I want to dive into that a bit today and point something out uh, out of the book of Luke in just a few moments that I think will be really helpful in all of us having the self-disqualification broken off. But let's be clear, he who knows you the best, I mean, you know, he, he knows everything about you. He who knows you the best loves you the most, and that in and of itself should unlock something of an embrace to the grace of God. Like he knows everything about you. You've made some mistakes that if I knew, I'd be very disappointed in you. 
I've made some mistakes that if you knew, you'd be very disappointed in me. And sometimes we share those mistakes in trusted forums, and we need to because we, we confess our faults to one another and pray for each other. We're healed. There's a healing that takes place. I, I want to drive you to a conclusion in conversation today just to understand how valuable it is that we explore kingdom community in our lives. You were designed for relationship with each other. Proverbs 27 speaks of how iron sharpens iron and how we sharpen each other just like iron sharpens iron. That means you're going to live a spiritually dull life if all you do is connect your heart to God and never really explore a deeper revelation of community with the body of Christ. I'm, I'm having some different pastors who've actually known us for a long time uh, I've had three of them in most recent weeks tell me, um, just, they've just said, Lawrence, you seem very different. And just in conversation, you know, it's, it caught my attention the first time it happened, but now it's happened three times. And what I'm realizing is there's a deeper experience of community that I am now experiencing that I've never known. And I, I mean, I just, I invite you to realize like people are a God-appointed part of your destiny. Church is not where we show up and come into this box and sing some songs and get some teaching and good information, Pastor, and then we're going to be on our way. This is about our lives coming together where we actually sense there's a joining of our hearts and that joining happens on purpose. And we need to recognize God's in those joinings. This is where we're watching for grace. And I hope you've been watching for grace because, boy, is that going to be a big focus for us in the month of December where we're just paying attention to the grace and the presence of God. The other, the other day I was in my car and was with somebody and I pulled up and they hopped out of the car to go in the house and I'm in the driveway and just the presence of God filled my car. I mean, that probably happens more than I've ever realized it happens. It's just that I'm starting to pay attention when I sense the grace of God. So I just put the car in park before I even pulled into the driveway, and I just sat there and said, Lord, you're here. What's up? <laughs> like, what do you want from me or for me or in me or what is this? You know, you want to speak to me or you just want to love on me. I mean, he's just such a great father. And he just wants us to learn this as our way of life. There are conversations I'll be having, and, and it'll be a light conversation until I suddenly sense the presence of God. And then I just kind of pause and go a little deeper and ask a deeper question and just explore a little more. What's the Lord giving his grace in this moment for? This is the way of life for those that are led by the Spirit of God as we're learning to pay attention more and more and more. So what we have to do is allow the Lord to break the shame off of our lives and not lay in the floor in the presence of our mistake and, and just constantly rehearsing, feeling like we're not worthy. We, like the dog, close our eyes or put our head in, you know, put ourselves in time out. Uh, a lot of us live in spiritual time out because we're disappointed with ourselves. And so I just want to say, and I want to say this really uh, with, with an, a strong interjection to you today. It's, it's something similar to what someone has said to you at different times in your life, I'm sure, but it's not the same. It's the Lord's rendition of reversing the curse into a blessing, as I say to you, shame off you. People have tried to put shame on you. And when you've made a mistake, they might even point their finger and say, shame on you for doing that. Shame on you for saying that. I just say, shame off you. 
all the shame that's ever rested on you because of any decisions you've ever made, because of your own dumb decisions. I mean, we've all done it. I just break that shame off you today. It's something God's anointed me to do for my generation in the body of Christ, and I want to bring that home to this house, to this family in full force today. Shame off every single one of you in Jesus' mighty name. So let's look at Luke chapter 7, and I want to show you something that seems to be uh, so obvious, but it's actually not true. It'll make sense, and you'll even logically nod your head toward it, but I caution you to try and think from a little bit of a different perspective, maybe a, a, a pure doctrine perspective as we evaluate some of these verses. We'll start in verse 36. Lord, would you just bless the reading of your word? Help us not to race through scripture to come up with um, ideas and messages, but may we understand and explore the true power of your word. Just even what we're talking about in our devotion time, that we wouldn't just open our Bibles and start reading to get it out of the way. We pause for a moment and invite your presence, and this would truly become our way of life. Certainly, it would become our way of gathering, as well as our, our way of prayer in the mornings as we're seeking you, saying, Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 6, verse 36, and we're going to read several verses because we're trying to develop our spiritual stamina. Going to church has been too much like going to the movies for long enough. It's time to go to the gym. <laughs> I don't want to just spoon feed you a little bite of this or that. And then like if the only time you're eating was somebody else is feeding you, then you're not strong. So you want to grow in your own strength and stamina. And so Luke 7, verse 36 and following, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, I mean, think about this, she was broken in the presence of Jesus. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, is this man, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now this is what he was saying to himself. This is what I love about Jesus. He's just constantly aware of something beyond what the natural circumstances can communicate. And he wants you to live that way. I don't know if you realize or not, but Jesus said to the Pharisees, you can judge the weather just fine, but you can't seem to tell for anything what God's doing in the church of this hour. In other words, to the Pharisees, and I'll talk about this soon, he said, uh, you ought to be aware of what God is doing in the moment. 
He expected them to be aware of what God was doing in the moment. How many of you know he expects us to be aware of what God is doing in the moment? Learning to live in a greater awareness of the nearness of God, watching for grace, following favor, paying attention. Suddenly the presence of God is in a moment, and you recognize God's doing something. I don't know what it was like for Jesus to walk with such full disclosure coming from the Father, but it was born from his place of prayer and constantly coming back and just in this place of interaction with the Father, and he desires for us to possess that as well. And so this man says to himself, if you were really a prophet, you'd know what's up here, but you don't. And Jesus answered him. <laughs> so funny, like Jesus answered him. Like he was thinking it, and then Jesus answered him. I want to walk in that kind of discernment. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. This is where it starts to get confusing. One owed him 500 denarii. And the other, 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So, I had this conversation with somebody once, and he happened to be another pastor, and he said, uh, he had me coming at, at, to speak at his church, and he said, he said, man, sometimes I just wish, you know, my parents, they, they raised me in church, I, I never really, uh, you know, did much that I shouldn't, I don't have much of a testimony, I mean, I just have been pretty good my whole life, and, and sometimes I just wish, man, I wish I would have just gone off the rails a little bit. And I, I was just like, why? And, he, you know, he, he knew about my drug past and, you know, some of the stuff that had gone on in my life. And he said, because it seems like people that have just gone way out there seem to really love God a whole lot more. And when you read this story, it almost would indicate such a thing. But it doesn't. And I want to explain why, because this, I, I, out of this conversation with this pastor, I shared what I want to tell you today, because it's such an interesting reality. Um, the more sinful you were before Jesus saved you, the more you will love God. Not right. Translate that story, and you can't erroneously do that. The more sinful you were before Jesus loved you, I know I've got some sinners over here on my right. <laughs> they are loud and proud about the fact that Jesus redeemed them out of the nonsense of this world. Come on. Has anyone ever noticed during worship that there tends to be a certain volume and crazy level over here that might, I don't know, have you noticed that before? And then there's Rosalia. Rosalia, I thank you God for Rosalia. I mean, what is up with these people? They're so radical. They must have been so sinful. Per this verse of Scripture, we could actually surmise such a conclusion that actually violates biblical theology. And let me explain why. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles in one point is guilty of it all. See, our problem is simply this. Gooder people tend to feel better than better people. 
what we need to understand, if you feel like you've been good, then you, like if I'm better than somebody else, uh, then I actually said it wrong a moment ago, but gooder people tend to be, feel better than badder people. Uh, if, if I've been you know, better than you in my behavior, and I can see that you've been badder than me in your behavior, then I can feel better about who I am before the Lord, because at least I wasn't like that. But what you don't understand is if two boys are playing in the field, and a skunk emerges... And one of them sees the skunk before the other, so he turns around to run and gets six inches ahead of the other boy. Technically, he doesn't stink as bad. But they both stink really bad. And before you're going to come in the house, even if you don't stink as bad as your brother, you're going to get hosed down and lathered up before you get in here. I mean, you understand? I just want to say, and you need to understand, Adam sinned and all humanity fell under the weight, crushing devastation of sin. You stink really bad. You might think you don't stink as bad as somebody else. But when you've offended one point of the law, you've offended the whole law. So how this translates and how I believe we need to understand it is simply this. People that have had more to be forgiven of tend to be more in touch with the reality that they were completely bad and Jesus was completely dead, but now he is completely alive and now you are completely redeemed. <laughs> this is the reality. And if you, like, lived a pretty good life, you might not understand that you're just as bad as the baddest person. I mean, you're as bad as Leroy Brown. That's how bad you are. Like, all the way. All the way. Just all the way bad. You find one point in the law, you're completely sinful. And, and, and then, like, if you're, if you're, you know, if you've kind of walked that out and you've come to the realization, like, man, I was desperate, I was hopeless, I, then you just get to be a little more in touch maybe with the grace of God, and then you, what the Bible says, you love the Lord more. See, pride wears a crafty disguise, and pride is trying to convince you that you are better than somebody else, and that is a demonic ploy to cause you to love the Lord less, because he who's been forgiven the greater debt will love the Lord more. This is a trap of pride. Jesus alone moves us from the grip of guilt to the grip of grace. <laughs> Only through Jesus. I love it. Um, I was inspired, Tracy's put together, you know, some of the ideas for the girlfriend's table, and thank you for those of you that uh, dove into that. There's just something so powerful about personal ministry mobilized like that. It was great to have the Destiny Girlfriend's Table, Weatherford, New York, Lawton. I mean, this is starting to expand. I've got other churches now that are talking to us about how to mobilize people effectively to minister out of their homes like that. How many of you know the Lord might be up to something in the body of Christ in this hour, and we get to participate in that, help perpetuate that? And so we're just asking God to give us wisdom with all of it. But, but uh, I was inspired as Tracy was working through the different things that happened, and there, the use of a name tag was a part of the Girlfriend's Table. For those of you who attended, you know what, what took 
place there. And so I was inspired just with the idea of the name tag. And, and uh, it's not the same illustration that they utilize, but something very similar. Because hello, my name is, is a really common thing that we do when we go to parties or, you know, whatever it is. And, and uh, unfortunately, what we're talking about is our identity. And, and many times what we, what we do is we begin to take on a false identity. So on this name tag, I said, hello, I'm broken. And many times that's how we introduce ourselves without necessarily saying it in those terms, but we walk in the presence of a mistake and we allow ourselves to identify with the reality that I'm broken. Uh, hello, I'm a failure. Uh, hello, I am damaged goods. I mean, these become identity for us. We start to identify. We walk around in life like this, and, and we, we kind of sometimes like hide, hide them a bit, and then it's just like, I give up. I'm just living in the presence of my mistake. I just realize I'm just not good enough. Hello, I'm unworthy. I'm just, I'm unworthy. And I, I want you to think about this just for a moment. Just reflect on what the Lord is saying to you. He's in the room right now addressing the deepest kind of identity that exists within you like he's reaching into your life in a way that's beyond what my words can ever accomplish because you don't need a man to teach you first john chapter 2 the anointing will teach you and right now the lord is eradicating the shame that you've digested and have embraced and it, it, right now he's eradicating the self-condemnation that you've embraced in so many respects and he's he's addressing the identity where you're actually able to peel those things off today walk free from all of those things and instead you can say hello, I am forgiven. <laughs> I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm restored. I'm replenished. It's a beautiful reality. And I just, it is so important for us to recognize and understand he is the great I am. I want you to think about it. He's the great, say it with me, I am. Do you understand identity is what this is about? Hi, I am Lawrence. I am the pastor of a church. I am Tracy's husband. I am Faith and Lexi's dad. I am, this is about identity. He's the great I am. What he does is he who was of great reputation became to no reputation so he might reach those of no reputation and take us into great reputation where we begin to be the reflection of our Father in heaven and the example of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. I am anointed. I carry the fragrance of God everywhere I go. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of God is being released through our surrendered available lives and I want to challenge you like this is not something you just hear today and you're like oh check that's good I take that I want to ask you this week to take some time with this reality and just allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work so I ask the worship team to come Waiting on the Lord is boring in the overstimulated, underdeveloped church of the Western world. So we purpose to take some time to wait on the Lord when we gather like this. It's a healthy thing to do. I'll just never forget one time we were driving with the girls, and uh, we were all talking, and, and it was kind of you know, laughter and, and fun. And I said, hey, everybody, let's just pray on the drive to where we're going. We've got about 20 minutes before we get there. Let's just pray. And I'll never forget all the laughter stopped. 
And I thought for a moment, oh no, maybe I made a mistake. Like I squashed the joy of the moment as a family. And, and nobody was praying, nobody was talking. And it's because we practice as a family what it means just to listen and pray. And, and the silence in the car went from deafening and I was wondering if I did something wrong to all of a sudden I had the deepest sense of value and appreciation. I'm in the car with my family and we are listening for God. My children, they were inclining their ear. What's the Lord say? Before they would pray, they were listening. And we all just kind of drove on. It was just quiet. And then one of them emerged with a prayer that they felt the Lord was prompting. How many of you know you don't always get it right, but man, if you're trying, then praise God. <laughs> Keep working at it. And so, you know, just felt this is what the Lord said. They began to pray. And then another, and I just remember, it was just like, what an honor that we get to be spiritually alive in such a way that we can lead our family in what it means to listen for the Lord. But when we live our lives in the presence of our mistakes, we don't even do that. Because we lack the confidence. But the Bible says, come into the throne room of God. How? Boldly. In confidence. Why? Because I am justified, righteous, forgiven. I'm not just righteous, folks. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, do you understand that? Like, if I ask you, are you good, you kind of have a, uh, it's beside the point. Are you righteous? Fully. Were you sinful? Fully. The more in touch you are with just how fully sinful you were, the more in touch you'll be with just how fully gracious God is. And that will increase your love for the Lord. That's the whole point. So I, I think it's just valuable that we understand there are there's some places that you will go by learning to pray into them. And you need to learn to pray into them. You need to practice solitude and these practices of just being alone with God. And That's why I'm such an advocate of turn the page. Just listen to the Lord for a little bit. Just read just those two pages there and then turn the page. Just, I'm trying to get you just to practice an awareness of the presence of the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. There's some things that I, I literally am able to preach people into because that's part of my call. Isn't that great? Like we can go a certain uh, measure into the kingdom just from preaching alone. Isn't that great? But then some things only happen by way of prayer. In other words, I can't preach you into places God ordains you to pray yourself into. And some things only happen through prayer and fasting. That's when you start to get a little deeper in your pursuit of God and you understand these self-disciplines that actually measure a, a, a form of sacrificial nature of Christ in the way I'm just going without food for a day or a meal on purpose just to get into the Word. And then you start going to a deeper place that nobody can preach you into. Now, here's the, here's the thing. There's another element of this, and it's so very important. There's some places you're never going to go if you don't learn a deeper revelation of community. You, you, you've got to explore what it is, what the Bible describes as deep-spirited friendship. You've got to have those relationships. I'm convinced there's been a major transformation in my life personally as a Christian. I don't, you know, maybe not as a pastor, preacher, that, that, you know, but I'm just telling you, as a Christian, and I think it affects all of that. But as a Christian, I'm a different person. 
I'm just learning. And, and it's because I'm not just trying to go through the, I'm going to be a good moral person and apply the Bible. I want to be broken in his hands. So I just, I want you to understand something, and it is important that you know. Family is part of the kingdom. He's the father. We're brothers and sisters, like families. The language is everywhere in Scripture. So the first Wednesday of December, one time a year, and we just purposed it this way so that we've got time to really grow together relationally. On the first Wednesday of December, that is what we call our servant, our serve team appreciation night and our welcome to the family. And if you feel God has called you to be a part of this church family, then that's not a casual decision that you make. We want a pastor on our team to meet with you and talk with you about what that looks like. We want to invite you to come to a, an evening that's going to be a celebration of what the Lord is doing. Our elders are going to lay hands on you and commission you and believe God for impartation in your life. How many of you know this kingdom of God stuff is really serious business? And if you're treating church like you are typical community connections that you have through other kinds of community, your gym, your workout, sports, whatever it is, then you're missing the point altogether because this is not like that. We are family, like spiritually joined family that sharpens each other to a deeper place to change everything about our eternal existence. It's profound. So this week, I want to just challenge you. Just respond to the Lord in all of this. On the blog, destinyokc.com, then you will find um, a list of I am. And I've written it all out with the verses beside it. I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am completely forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am confident that nothing can separate me from God's love, which is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. I, I am having all my needs supplied by God according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I am supplied with living water. I am drinking that living water, letting it flow through my surrendered available life. I am abiding in Christ, and he is the true vine. I am the branch. Without him, I can do do nothing there's just pages of this listed on our blog and I encourage you this week that's your action point for the week because we bring God's presence to real life when you wake up in the morning watch for grace allow his presence to invade as you just start to rehearse those things look on the blog and just rehearse those verses of scripture that we've converted to declaration and prayer Come on, let's just take a few moments in, in this time. What's the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? Some of you, he's breaking condemnation off of your life. Shame is gone. Would you just listen to him? We're just going to take a few moments. Just tune in your heart. Pay attention. Calm your thoughts. And listen to God before we move from this moment.